you deserve the truth. The enemy is at our gates. The fight for humanity. I look at your faces. I do not see defeat. No! And I do not see surrender. It's far from over. You will not make that stand alone. We have something the enemy does not. We have heroes. Halo. New season now streaming. Exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Welcome into the Odds and Audibles podcast. I'm Matt Prem. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And uh, today is a Thursday. Uh, Eric and I are both driving down. So we're doing some amazing work as we are driving and podcasting. But no, no, we're not actually doing that. But uh, we are both en route to Santa Clara to check out the Oregon Ducks, uh, who are 10-2, and 8-1 and one in the Pac-12. They are the, the Pac-12 North champion. And they are taking on the Utah Utes, who are 11-1 on the year, 8-1 in the Pac-12. They are the Pac-12 South champions. Uh, and it's it's a game in which Oregon wins, they go to the Rose Bowl. And it's a game in which Utah wins, they have a good chance at going to the college football playoff, which would then put Oregon in the Rose Bowl. So Oregon's, Oregon's playing for, for Rose Bowl. Utah is playing for the playoff trying to get themselves in, trying to become the third Pac-12 team to make the college football playoff since it started in 2014. Uh, this is still a huge game in which we were uh, talking about, you know, the last four or five weeks of two potential top 10 teams. That's no longer the case, but uh, Oregon just outside the top 10. Um, but still, nonetheless, I think this is one of the more intriguing uh, conference championship games out there, outside of maybe the SEC, LSU, Georgia? Well, I think the Big 12 is maybe also a little bit more interesting because technically Baylor and Oklahoma That's could true. S- still get in if they win. And, um, and and honestly, like I'm actually excited to talk with our guests today about um, just like how, what, what, what's the feeling from Ute fans of kind of – are, do they feel pretty safe that if they win, they're in? Are they sweating? Are they truly sweating this this Oklahoma, you know, Baylor situation? Um, and, and you talked about this being one of the more anticipated uh, conference championships this year. I mean, like I'm just I just pulled up the all time Pac-12 conference championships, and now this only goes back to 2011 when they started. But you could make a pretty strong case that this is the best or the second most anticipated. Um, Pac-12 Conference Championship, at least in terms of opposing rankings. Um, 2014, Oregon was ranked number third, number three nationally. Arizona, who they played, was ranked eighth. And I guess it's worth saying as well, 2016, Washington was number four. Uh, Colorado was r- number nine. Uh, in both instances, the higher-ranked team won and then represented the conference in the college football playoffs. So this is certainly one of the more notable uh, Pac-12 conference championship games, you know, since in, in you know in the about ten year history um, of this game, and and I think it's going to be really exciting to see kind of how competitive it's been. It's going to be because you look back, and I we just ran, I just ran through those two games that were, you know, pretty interesting in terms of like postseason play, and the common theme in both of those was that the higher rated team absolutely blew out the lower rated team. Oregon beat Arizona 51-13. Washington blew out Colorado 41-10. to um, I'm not expecting Oregon to get blown out like that, but certainly the history of these types of matchups uh, indicates that 
that's sort of what has happened previously. Obviously, it's a very small sample size, but um, sort of an interesting thing to look at in terms of the historical uh, context of these type of games that uh, typically when there's a team that's playing for a college football playoff, they have played very, very well in this game and have kind of dominated uh, the outcome. Yeah, we're, we're going to have Steve Bartle on uh, of Zone. Uh, he is the managing editor of our sister site on the 24-7 Sports Network, Ute Zone, obviously. Um, this is a game that kicks off Friday night. 5.14 p.m. Pacific time is the official kickoff time being played at Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, California. Chris Fowler, Kirk Herbstreet, Molly McGrath will be on the call for ABC. I think this is the first time that this game is being broadcast on ABC. I think previously it's always been either Fox, FS1, or ESPN. So should be a big audience for this one, especially with it being a Friday night. Uh, not there, there won't be, I don't think, any major Power 5 conference championship games being played on Friday outside of Oregon versus Utah for the Pac-12 championship. Um, so I think the full nation will be locked in on this one. Curious to see how many fans show up for this game. Um, I think Oregon has a huge fan base in the Bay Area. I believe Utah does as well. Uh, probably not as big as Oregon's, but how many people from Oregon drive down? How many people from Utah drive over? Uh, and and how many people just in the general vicinity of that area attend this football game? Uh, it's going to be an interesting thing to watch there as well. So uh, let's let's bring on Steve Bartle of UteZone.com. Steve, how's it going, man? I'm good. How are you guys doing? Uh, we're doing we're doing good. Excited for this contest. Excited for this game. Um, it's kind of been built up, right? Like. All year, it was Oregon in the north, and then I think maybe probably middle of October, it was evidently clear that Utah was the better team in the in the Pac-12 South, and it was just they needed the Trojans to lose a game uh, to, to get back in, into first place. Uh, but here we are. This is a game that's been built up for months. It's, it feels like and we're, we're finally here. I know. It, it really has been, been built up to – for this to happen, I, I remember back to Pac-12 media days with Oregon being named the the preseason favorite in the North and Utah preseason favorite in the South. And, you know, here we are. So finally, it's here. You know, this is going to be this is the best two teams in the conference without question. Uh, and I, I'm intrigued by the matchup just because of the strengths of each each program and, and also the weaknesses and, and maybe where teams can can expose one another it's going to be a, a fun matchup and and i'm just glad that it's it's here so uh it's going to be fun to to break this down with you guys uh on the show today how has this year been <clears throat> excuse me for utah like did the fan base go in and the program go into the season thinking hey playoffs we are going to be a school that's going to compete for the playoff end of the year we win the, the pac-12 north we're in the playoff or was this like a fever pitch that kind of grew and grew uh, as wins stacked on top of themselves, and it was kind of like, oh well, we could make the playoff. Like, what was the, what's been this just year been like for Utah from the start to to where they're at now? Yeah, you know this this season has been interesting because the only goal that they the only long term goal that they've talked about, you know, big picture is winning the Pac twelve championship. That's that's been their sole focus in terms of the the bigger picture. 
Uh, and and really, when you talk to these players and you talk to, to these coaches throughout the season, it was, we're going to go 1-0 and on the season. That was it. It was repeated time and time again. The focus that this team has taken throughout the year to come in prepared each and every week, I think was, um, you know, you, you kind of talk that way. You kind of talk the talk early on in the season. I think that USC game actually really kind of, solidified and, and reinvigorated that focus to to take it week by week. So, yeah, so coming into the season, the only talk, the only big picture talk and goals that this program, Coach Whittingham, the players talked about was winning the Pac-12 championship. That's that's something that they've talked about when they when they refer to unfinished business. That's what they're talking about is is missing out on that opportunity to to win the championship last year. Uh, they they're they came back. A lot of the players that had the opportunity to go to the NFL last year came back for their senior seasons because they want to win that Pac-12 championship. So, you know, it's been uh, tied to their success. The playoff uh, conversation has has been tied to their success in the way that they're playing. But uh, again, the 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 only focus for the team has been to pat to win the Pac-12 championship. You know, Steve. Obviously, and it's interesting because Oregon's used the one and zero mentality as well all season. It's kind of been their talking point. That's the way they've kind of hyped themselves up. But I'm I'm curious, uh, just in terms of the college football playoff discussion. Obviously, it sounds like internally Utah's kind of keeping that at, at our arm's length. But for for us in this business and for the fan base, this is the type of stuff that we're obviously talking about kind of nonstop. What was your reaction to kind of the general reaction of Utah fans when they saw? Uh, Tuesday's college football playoff rankings come out. I think, obviously, Utah is fifth right now. But are you, is there a lot of concern about the Big 12 being six and seven and those teams playing next week? Because um, obviously, I think uh, mm-hmm. you weren't you weren't hoping they were going to be both kind of right on Utah's teal, uh, heels like that. Right. Yeah. There's there's a lot of uneasiness with Oklahoma and, and Baylor being the teams right behind Utah. But I think a lot of the fans have the understanding that they can only control what they can control, right? So Utah, as long as they take care of, you know, business as as they head into the Pac-12 championship game. And for them, that means obviously beating the Ducks. Um, as long as they take care of business, they'll, they'll be, you know, it's up to the people, the decision makers, really. But I, I think that there's an understanding, right? Like they can only can, can control so much. Um, but yeah, there's definitely some uneasiness. And I think the loss... The Oregon Ducks loss uh, a couple will, a couple weeks ago to Arizona State. Uh, I think that's when that fear really kind of settled in because now Baylor and Oklahoma are the teams uh, that Utah and Oregon were were talked about being uh, a, a week before that, right? Where where Oregon was ranked yeah. out of Utah and, and Utah, you know, is behind them. They they now they're in that position. So where they were where we were all talking about, yeah, the winner of Oregon and Utah, they'll probably jump to the number four spot. That's a, a, a great resume builder. Now Oklahoma and Baylor are in that spot. So, uh, yeah, there's there's definitely some uneasiness. There's confidence still that, you know, as long as Utah plays their game and, and wins, that they'll be the number four team. But uh, it's it's not as comfortable as it was, you know, two, three weeks ago for sure. Utah's only loss of the season came at the end of September uh, on the road at at USC. I, I believe Zach Moss got hurt in that football game. Um, but the Trojans were also dealing with injuries, too. They started the game with their second-string quarterback and ended it 
pretty, you know, had to had to play pretty much the whole game with the third string quarterback because Keaton Slovis got knocked out. Yet they still lost. I'm mm-hmm. curious, just what in that game went wrong for Utah? What did USC do right? Because it seems like everyone else that has played Utah outside of a semi-competitive Washington game up in Seattle, no one's really hung close with this Utah team. What, what was different about that one game at USC? Yeah, you know, with the Zach Moss injury that happened in the first quarter. So, you know, he's out for 80% of the game. And he's he's a big part of the offense. So you, you lose that. Uh, Utah, they miss a scoring opportunity because a running back fumbles the ball uh, in, in the red zone at where they're at the goal line, right? So that's you look at that and you can't help but feel if that's Zach Moss, you know, that he's able to punch that into the end zone. So you've got that. But really the, the biggest issue in that game was Matt Fink, the third string quarterback for USC, coming in and just connecting time after time. And, and literally, I think I think he even said it. I can't remember for sure. I was at the game and I was on the sideline, but I think he even like the coaching staff or Matt Fink, one of the sideline reporters stated like, Hey, I'm just going to throw it deep and you're going to go get it, you know, to his receivers, Michael Pittman, Amon Ross St. Brown and Tyler Vaughn's. And that's exactly what they did. He just, he threw it deep. He gave Michael Pittman a number of 50, 50 balls. And when you've got a receiver like Michael Pittman, you know, where he's 6'2", 6'3", 220 pounds and, and has that type of athleticism. I mean, for any quarterback, like you're thinking that's not just a 50-50 ball. That's a 60-40 ball, you know. And, and so that's where where USC took advantage of Utah was um, was just throwing it down deep. And Utah was unable to to defend the, the deep pass. So that is something where I think Utah's schedule kind of betrayed them early on in the season because they hadn't faced the team with those types of receivers. They weren't prepared for that kind of size and athleticism, you know, at the skilled player position. But at the same time, when teams have, um, you know, a big target, the Washington game is another one that you mentioned that was on the road as well in Seattle. Uh, Washington has a big athletic tight end in Hunter Bryant. He had a big game uh, against Utah. So, you know, when you have a big athletic target, uh, it can give Utah some some issues because they don't have an ideal matchup um, in the secondary to to defend those bigger receivers. Jalen Johnson, however, you know he's he's been really good this season. He locked down Brandon Ayuk, one of the the best pass catchers in the conference, uh, to eight yards, and and obviously the entire defensive unit had had a bit to to do with that. But Isaiah Hodgins, you know the the top pass catcher in the conference. He was able to limit him to to fifty percent of his normal reception. So uh, that's where Utah has struggled um, on on the defense side of the ball is against these big athletic pass catchers. Um, but they've they've fared much better since that USC game for sure. So do you think then that opens the door for a guy like Jawan Johnson because Oregon does have that big physical receiver in Jawan Johnson? He's six foot four, almost six foot five, and we, we saw him go over the top of USC time and time again uh, at the Coliseum in early November. Is that a matchup maybe that gets magnified a little bit bigger because of his big play potential? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. I, I mean, he is he he's a talent. He's got great size. What is he? Six, four, like yeah. six, four, two, thirty. 
yeah. you know, so he's he's got tremendous size. Utah has had a cornerback uh, on the other side of Jalen Johnson in Josh Nurse, who's a little bit bigger. He's 6'3", 190 pounds. Um, so he's he's not as thick. He's not He doesn't weigh as much, but he's tall. He's long, and he's kind of stepped his game up. So, yeah, I, I think if you're Oregon, I think that that's a matchup where you're kind of looking to exploit Utah. Um, you know, and to be fair, LaVisca Chenault, again, one of the top talents in the country last week, comes into to Utah, and, and he's only able to to compile 43 receiving yards. So it's it's something where Utah has struggled, and it, if you're Oregon, you're absolutely looking to exploit that Utah defense in that matchup, but Utah has fared much better against those bigger receivers. But, um, but yeah, Juwan Johnson is, go- is definitely going to be a tough matchup for this Utah secondary. Let's talk a little bit about the defensive front for Utah because I think that's – you just look at the stats and it's pretty remarkable, especially against the run. Um, one game all season where the opposing offense, not just the opposing leading rusher, but the opposing offense has more than 100 yards. I mean, that's remarkable, and it's no surprise with stats like that that, that statistically they are the preeminent rush defense in the country. They lead the country in those stats. Um is this a talent thing? Is this a scheme thing? Is this a philosophy thing? How, how do you explain those stats? Because you, you look at them without kind of having any context, and you're just, I think, kind of in awe of, of kind of the raw numbers. Yeah, you know, for Utah, defending the run, it all starts with um, the the philosophy first. Utah's philosophy is, is the number one priority is to stop the run, to defend the run. And so that's where it all starts. Now, when you add a guy, a talent like Lucky Foto, you add talent around him like John Penasini, uh, Bradley and I, and Mika Tafua, who are tremendous defensive linemen in their own right, uh, that adds another piece to the puzzle, right? And then you're able to add uh, Morgan Scally coming into his own as a defensive coordinator. This is now his, I believe, his fourth season as defensive coordinator. I'll have to double check that. But, you know, he's coming into his own as a defensive coordinator and as a defensive mind. And then you have the linebackers um, behind them and Francis Bernard and Devin Lloyd, who are able to be the athletes to get out to the edge on those outside runs uh, to, to defend the perimeter run. So um, it, 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 everything has kind of culminated this season. And that's what you're seeing uh, in the results here, where they're only allowing what 56 rushing yards per game. And so it, it's a combination of it all. It's the talent, it's the philosophy, the scheme, and, and just everybody's buy-in where they're playing that disciplined style of football where, you know, Oregon, you know, and, and other, other programs tend to maybe get off blocks and, and get pressure from their defensive linemen. Utah is a little bit more read and react, get two hands on a defense on the, on an offensive lineman and, and see what's going on. And that's where, you know, I think you're seeing such a, a, a difference, so much success in defending the run is because Utah is so uh, disciplined in terms of how they approach defending the run. It's, it's not about attacking gaps. It's about defending multiple gaps. And, and because they have the guys up front that they do, uh, that's why they're having so much success this year. I think Utah gets kind of spoken about like they're a defense-only kind of team, and, and that's a total misnomer this year. You look at statistically, they're third in the conference in scoring. They've only scored three less, three fewer points than Oregon this year, um, the top rushing offense in the conference. Um, 
how much is this defense's ability to get off the field and then turn it over to the Utah offense help? And I guess just vice versa, playing off of each other, because it seems like the way that they beat teams and the way they wear them down is just you, you force the offense, the opposing offense off the field. Um, and that, you know, provides, I guess, opportunity to just kind of ball control the clock and run the clock and run the clock. I mean, kind of how much does that kind of push and pull between those two sides uh, kind of help uh, get this offense? Because like I said, statistically, they're a lot better than I think people maybe want to give them credit. Yeah, no, that's a great point that both are kind of, they go hand in hand with each other, right? So with the, the style of offense that Utah plays where it's, you know, get in the huddle, take your time, snap the ball at eight to five seconds, really grind it out. Um, you know, they they have the slowest pace in the conference by a wide margin. I think that they've ran the, the fewest plays. I know the defense has had the fewest snaps for sure by at least, I, I want to say it's close to a, a 200 snap difference, you know, 200 difference in terms of total snaps played um, on, on the defense side of the ball. So where Utah plays this grinded out type of style of offense where it's chewing up the clock, it's keeping the opponent's defense on the field, that allows Utah's defense to be fresh, so that way they can they can play at a high level throughout the game. And then you see it, you know, in in the second, third, and fourth quarters where the defense, you know, they're feeling good. They're they're limiting teams to you know three three and outs uh, to short drives, and it gets the offense the ball right back, and they're able to again continue driving and and continue eating up the clock. So. They both, it's its a perfect marriage of offensive play style and, and defensive success that you see Utah having so much success on offense and putting up these points on the board um, just because of, of how good both units are um, on the field with the offense and defense. So it's, it you know, Andy Ludwig coming here has been the perfect offensive coordinator for Utah because he's able to uh, he's he's built, he's brought a running game that's so diverse and unique where it in, incorporates a number of different players and it's not just Zach Moss getting the ball 25 to 30 times like we're used to seeing at Utah with previous running backs like Devontae Booker and Joe Williams and, and those guys before him where now Moss is only getting 18 to 20 carries but you're seeing two to three to a receiver like Jalen Dixon. You're seeing two and three more to another receiver in Derek Vickers and other running backs in Devin Brumfield. So his ability to incorporate other running backs um, to pick up five, six, eight yard chunk plays, and then to hand it off to Moss and do his thing. Like that's really kind of changed the game for Utah and, and what allows them to be on the field for so long um, and to have so much success on the offensive side of the ball. So it, it really is a perfect marriage uh, between offense and defense, and they kind of fuel each other uh, on the field to to play at a really high level. We're talking with Steve Bartle of UteZone.com. We'll be right back as we listen to some commercials. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. We've got Steve Bartle on from the Ute Zone previewing this Utah football game against Oregon Pac-12 championship. Both teams in the top 15. Utah in the top six of uh, the college football playoffs. Utes trying to get to the playoff. Oregon's trying to get to the Rose Bowl. Um, I- I'm curious, what's the health of this football team right now, Steve? It seems like the last three or four years, Utah's always either gone into November or finished November with some pretty grueling injuries. Last year, Huntley and Moss were both lost for the season. I think what second or third, the last week of the year. Um, what, what's the health of this team right now? Yeah. You know, like we were talking about just, just recently is with the offensive play style where they, they like to grind it out where they're limiting plays. Um, it's really kind of helped keep this team fresh and healthy. They they really haven't had too many injuries throughout the year. Tyler Huntley has had a few, um, you know, like he's he's had a sprained ankle, he's had a sprained uh, MCL, but other than that, like they've been relatively healthy. There hasn't been anything serious this season. Zach Moss had the shoulder injury early on, but other than that, he's been healthy, you know, throughout the year. Uh, the only player that's that's really, you know. We don't know for sure because Utah treats injuries like like World War II secrets, like it's crazy. But the only injury like that's that's on our radar is is receiver Brian Thompson, who missed the last game with a knee injury. You know he may play this weekend, he may not. I don't know. Um, but uh, but they've been relatively healthy all year long, and that's really helped them in playing at the level that they have. So I think. Again, going back to what we were talking about before the commercial break, where the offensive and defensive play styles and success has fueled each other, it's also fueled the health of of this team as well. So it's it's been really good. It's been a healthy season for Utah, and, and you see the the results on the field. When Zach Moss and Tyler Huntley came to Utah. You know, I know I know some people listening are probably familiar with this uh, from an Oregon fan perspective, but these are high school teammates from Florida. Um, was the expectation that they would be these type of players? Um, because you, the development there seems to be, I think, integral to this season's success. It seems like those two have both taken their games to another level. Um, we've talked about Moss a little bit already, um, but Huntley in particular, it seems like, has, re- has really stepped his game up. Kind of, kind of like, what was... The expectation when those two signed together um, a handful of years back and kind of how have they built this? Because it seems like they've, they've really taken their games up, especially over the last kind of like 18 months of the seasons. Yeah, you know, that's that's a great question. I, if you were to go back, like I guarantee nobody was saying that Zach Moss was coming here to be to end up being probably the greatest running back in, in Utah football history. You know, statistically, he owns the all time rushing record, the touchdown record. Uh, the hundred yard game record, like he owns the the record book now, and I don't think that many people saw that coming when these guys came from Florida. Uh, I, Tyler Huntley, he has a Heisman campaign, and, and like with that, like 
it's not like obviously they're like Joe Burrow is the Heisman, right? Like I think we can all say Joe Burrow and other guys are, are more deserving and, and will win it. But the fact that we're having the conversation of of Tyler Huntley, a Heisman candidate, that we have to write articles about it, I I nobody in, in saw that coming for sure when he signed with Utah, right? Like at the time, his only other offer was to FAU when he committed to to Utah. Um and then he goes and he's he's the Gatorade play, state player of the year in the in the state of Florida. He has a tremendous year. Like his recruitment picked up towards the end of of his senior season, but he was locked in with Utah. And I think that there was a great deal of optimism um, with him. But again, I don't think it was anything like this where you know their senior seasons and even Damari Simpkins, who was the the third teammate to join Tyler Huntley and, and Zach Moss. I don't think that there was any sort of discussion that, you know, when these guys are seniors, Utah's going to be in the conversation for the college football playoff. Like, I, you know, it's just, it's surreal that we're here and the progress that these three players and, and Tyler Huntley and Zach Moss in particular, the progress that those two players have made, the success that they, they've had, it's really, really, I don't want to say surprising, but it's, it's amazing to see it and and you know utah fans are enjoying it uh and and senior day was a big senior night was a, a big moment for those guys and for the utah fan base uh it was it was a, an emotional night because of how much utah's meant to those guys and how much those guys meant to the utah fan base it's been it's been quite the ride for sure uh for huntley and moss will those two go down Amongst Utah, you know, the Utah faithful as arguably the best quarterback and best running back in program history. I think for Moss, it's probably an easy yes, just looking mm-hmm. at the statistics. But just the the growth from Huntley and this season being such a special year. Like, I, I know I'm sure Alex Smith is probably another candidate there. But, like, how, where do these two guys stack up historically just amongst players at their positions for Utah? Yeah, you know, I think Zach Moss is, is running away with you know, being the the best running back to come through the Utah program. I don't think there's any hes- hesitation to to name him that. Uh, Tyler Huntley, you know, if if he goes on and and wins a, a big game, if he wins a Pac-12 championship, like it's going to be hard not to call him the best Utah quarterback. Um, you know, obviously with Alex Smith in 04, that was a very special season. And he currently is viewed as the number one guy you know, the number one quarterback in program history. But if Tyler Huntley goes and wins a Pac-12 championship, he gets Utah to a Rose Bowl. He gets Utah into the playoff. Like, I think that kind of allows him to take the lead in terms of how he's viewed as as a quarterback in, in Utah's uh, program. And I think a lot of fans are okay with that. Obviously, with Alex Smith and the success that he's had in the NFL, that's not, I don't think that, you know, it would be surprising to see Tyler Huntley have that same type of success. But in terms of just what they accomplished at Utah, I think Tyler Huntley has a chance to become the the greatest Utah quarterback in, in program history. Zach Moss for sure has it. But they are, you know, as a duo, they are for sure, uh, without a doubt, the top duo uh, to come through the program. Um, they've They've achieved a lot together. Um, and there, there hasn't been a duo quite like this for sure. Maybe the, the next offensive star for Utah is sophomore tight end Brant Kuthi. Um, 
a guy that leads the Utes in receptions with 29 yards receiving with 550 yards per catch at 19.0 yards per reception receiving touchdown six. And strange enough, he's, he's, he's also got five rushes for 73 yards and, and three touchdowns. I mean, you don't often see a tight end um, get rushing carries in a football game. Uh, he scored, I think six touchdowns in the last three games for Utah um, I'm, I'm just, or nine touchdowns, excuse me, in the last three games. Uh, what, what's just been his development the last couple weeks and kind of is, is that Utah's wild card offensively? Yeah. Yeah. He's definitely kind of looked at as the X factor for Utah. Um, you know, with Brent Keithy, he's, he's a unique talent in high school. He was a running back, uh, at Katie high school in, in Texas and really, like, Utah, like, when they recruited him, he has a twin brother, Blake, who's had knee injuries and, and, and multiple knee surgeries, and he's just been unable to kind of get his career going at Utah. But but his twin brother, Blake, was a defensive end. That was the guy that Utah was higher on when they recruited these guys out of high school. And Keithy was just kind of viewed as, like, you know, he's he's – it's kind of a package deal – and he, and Brent has turned out to be one of the top playmakers. He's definitely played that way the last three, four weeks for Utah. But he's such a unique athlete um, where he's and, and that's why he's able to to get some rushing carries and 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 do that because he played running back in high school. So he's used to getting the ball in that kind of fashion. And he's he's a he's a really good athlete. He's a unique athlete. He's six two two thirty. Um, has good speed, quickness, runs really crisp, short and intermediate routes, but he has uh, the ability to get deep, um, you know, if you lose track of him. And his ability to make guys miss is something that's kind of unique at the tight end position. He's he's unlike your typical tight end, right? Like uh, you guys have, have seen really good tight ends. Utah, it's, it's a position that's been kind of funny at Utah where you you have guys that – can make plays but they just haven't utilized the tight end position as much as maybe they should have and Keithy's come in and he's become the guy for Utah and he's he's kind of the x factor for this offense he's got six touchdowns over the last two games um and is really kind of emerged as the go-to weapon in the passing game for Tyler Huntley because they're able to use him on short uh dump offs on intermediate routes and and you know the touchdown reception last week he was able to to sneak behind the defense so he's a versatile piece he's kind of a uh just a a do-it-all player for Utah and to have that emerge late in the season to complement Zach Moss uh is just what Utah needs and and he's playing his best football at just the right time We'll get you out of here with this last question. We're speaking with Steve Bartle of the Utah Zone. Steve, what what has to happen uh, for Utah to win this football game? And then I guess the flip side, for Oregon, uh, what do they have to do to be able to beat the Utes? So you have to continue. Utah has to continue to do what they do well, right? And that's defend the run. That's get pressure on on the quarterback. And against this Oregon offensive line, that's going to be a tough task because they have the best offensive lineman in the country in Panay Sewell. And it's going to be 
Uh, I'm curious to see what they do, what Utah does with Bradley and I, if they're just going to rush him and, and use him against Panay Sewell, uh, or if they're going to flip him to the other side of the field and have him r- rush against the, the right tackle. So uh, that's going to be a fun matchup. Is Utah going to bring some blitzes? They've, they've shown some exotic looks over the last few weeks and have gotten sacks. I think they had five against Colorado. That's going to be the key. You have to you have to continue to do well what you've done well all season, and and just hope to to find a play here and there against a, a team like Oregon. That's really good. Like, there's a lot of talent on this Ducks squad. There's a lot of ability, and they've improved a lot on the defensive side of the ball. And so on offense, Utah, they've got to be able to take care of the football. I think that's kind of been the biggest key for the Ducks. Uh, resurgence on the defense side of the ball is uh, forcing turnovers, interceptions in particular. So as long as Huntley can continue to take care of the ball and just make smart decisions with it, not try to force anything and protect the football, I think Utah will be in good shape because uh, they'll uh, they'll continue to, to dink and dunk and, and drive down the field. So those are the keys for Utah. Do well what you've done well all season long and then just make a play here and there throughout the game, and, and Utah should be in, in a good spot. Now, for Oregon, I, I think, again, you have to do well. You kind of have to, to find yourself again, right? Like, I think, I think it's fair to say that Oregon hasn't played their best football um, over in the last few weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah, you know, and so you just wonder, like, is that going to continue, or, or are we going to see Oregon playing at their best and, and that's what you hope to see. You want to see both teams playing at their best in the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, just because that's, you know, that's fun football. That's fun to watch. Being at the, the championship game last year with Utah and Washington, like it was just an ugly game. It wasn't fun to watch. Um, you know, it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't, it was two teams not playing their best football. So hopefully Oregon, you know, and, and Utah come in playing their best football, um, you know, and, and where Oregon can win like if if your offensive line can generate some creases some can get some holes and you can establish the run where you can get three to four yards on this utah defense that'll be that'll be a fun matchup this U- oregon offensive line versus this utah defensive line that's that's going to be my favorite matchup of the game just because it's the two best units in the conference in my opinion um and then of course when you've got a guy like Juwan Johnson, if you can get him some opportunities, I think that's where you're kind of looking uh, to go on the offensive side of the ball. So, man, this is this is going to be a fun matchup. I think these these two teams match up really well, um, and it's going to be it's going to be a slugfest. I, at least I hope it's going to be a slugfest. You know, I, I can't make any predictions, but I, I hope at the very least. You know, it's just two teams going back and forth, and we see some really good football this Friday. Yeah, we're looking forward to it as well. We think it's both going to be a good game uh, for, from both sides, and uh, we'll, we'll see what plays out and where each team goes for, for postseason play. Hey, Steve, thanks a lot for coming on the show. We'll, we'll talk to you down in Santa Clara. Sounds good, guys. Thanks so much, man. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. 
Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts.